Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast, where each week Pastor Anar Ram and Elder Roger Prather will be diving into the weekly lesson from the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The congregation at the College Church has made it their motto to love, grow, and serve. We really want to learn to love more, grow more, and serve more. It is our hope that through these conversations, we can learn to better serve our congregation, our local community, and the world. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you are blessed with today's conversation. Welcome to the College Church Sabbath School Podcast. My name is Pastor Aina Ram, and with me is... Roger Prather. And we are delighted to be with you through our podcast ministry based in South Lancaster, Massachusetts. And from what I hear, that uh, are, we are being listened to around the world, and technology is amazing in, in that. In that it is, and it's hard to believe, but we just made it. Today will be, we've made it through an entire quarter. That's season, right. Season one. Season one. In, the, in the books. Season one, the books. There we go. All right, well, let's, let's, end, let's end this. Let's start this last study of the first quarter. With prayer. All right. All right. Would you pray for us, Roger? Certainly. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this ministry. We thank you for bringing us through 12 lessons. Thank you for the people who listen, and we pray, Lord, that it will continue to be a blessing for anyone who finds us. Help us to be faithful representatives of your mission, and help us to be faithful as we close this quarter on stewardship. Help us to be faithful stewards of all that you've given us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, our last lesson, lesson number 12, Rewards of Faithfulness, um, takes us to Hebrews and other passages of Scripture. Let's get into that. Hebrews 11, of course, known as the Hall of Faith chapter, and, and it is really a chapter, it behooves us to read religiously because it reminds us that God works through perfect, uh, imperfect people. Very imperfect Very people. imperfect people. And, and that really fortifies us to realize that God can work through us. God works through me, through you, through Megan, all of us, through Ed, and, and, and it's pretty powerful. So could you read uh, 11, verse 6? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. And I'm going to tether that with uh, Revelation 22, verse 12. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. So this is an interesting uh, connection of texts. We know we are saved by grace, whether it be Ephesians 2, 8, 9, good old John 3, 16, we are saved by grace. Yet there is this element of reward, and particularly when you look at like uh, this passage here uh, in Revelation, uh, there's some sort of reward. And, and I find this is significant. It's, it's leading us down the path to some sort of epiphany, discovery of how God operates. And, and it's 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 interesting to just think about this and and uh, Roger what are your thoughts well this is one of the 
long-lasting, one of the longest-lasting, ever-present conundrums of mm-hmm. the Christian faith. You know, what is the relationship between faith and works? Mm-hmm. And here we are wrapping up a quarter of study on the topic of stewardship, and we end it with rewards. Mm-hmm. And the whole time we've, you know, we've been trying to go in this direction of, you know, like sharing and having our hearts in the right condition and all these different things. And then we end, it appears in a very, uh, in a direction that we wouldn't expect based on that. And mm-hmm. it is, hey, God's got a prize for you at the end. And I think when we talk about the relationship between faith and works, what we should, a word that we should be introducing, or at least I would like to introduce it here, is motive. Mm -hmm. What is the motive for your works? It's not that works are unimportant, right? The apostle James tells us that. Actually, James, the brother of Jesus, tells us that. Um, But... It's the motive, right? It, it, in Hebrews there at 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please mm-hmm. God, which means you could, like the Pharisees, you could be a very devout, scrupulous keeper of the commandments. Mm-hmm. You could do everything outwardly right, but if your heart is not in it for the right reasons, then it's all for naught. Yeah. So, you know, we can... We can it, 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 it can appear that we're good stewards and we're not really good stewards because we haven't stewarded the most important thing of all, which is our heart. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And this is when I read through the life of Paul, I'm amazed at his heart. The shipwrecks, the beatings, floggings, all this he goes through. Uh, reading in, in Romans, I believe it was, talking about ref- making reference to being cold at night, and I'm like, my goodness compare that with my comfortable cushiony life uh, you know if we're cold or hot we just adjust things and and you know I'm confident that when he meets the Lord he I'm going to use the word deserves a special reward and I'm thinking about the martyrs people who were tortured imprisoned for their beliefs. I would feel weird if Paul gets a Rolls Royce and I get a Rolls Royce. Uh, There'd be something like incongruent there, like, wait a minute, you are the man, Christ is a man, but you're the, 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 the preeminent missionary. The price you paid to do what God called you to do is far bigger than what I paid. Right. And 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 I don't you know and I'm maybe the part of the picture there, Roger, is that in heaven we will never compare, and that's part of we talked about that before. Part of sin comes when we compare, and and uh, that would be a beautiful way to do this. Is that wow? I got a you know I I've, I've been blessed. I've got my my home here, and what you have, what Paul has, what. Uh, Martin Luther has, Melanchthon has, it doesn't matter. All I know is I'm there. And that's, that's maybe a win way to kind of consider all this. Yeah, what did you do? If I was writing like the dramatic script of that conversation between you and Paul, yeah. and you go up to him and you're like, man, Paul, you know, wow, you know, you just, you, you, you worked as a tent maker and you evangelized Europe. Yeah. Like you have no idea. 
Yeah. Like the entire continent of Europe ultimately became Christian. Yeah. And then, of course, he dies as a martyr. And then, and that's, and then you go, and he most likely died under the hand of Nero. Yeah. But he's writing letters from Nero's prison going, oh, the emperor's household sends greetings because yeah. I've, con- I've happened to convert members of the, the emperor's household, you know? Yeah. And, 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 uh, but I think that Paul would probably look at you and go, Anar, um, how did you pastor a congregation in such a complicated, decadent society mm. in the 21st century? All we faced death that was easy because we knew what was coming next. How did you do it with mm. all of the, in, the complexity that got introduced in the 2000 years from me to you? So, yeah, that's, you know, that's it's a, what, what do we do with what God's given us? I, yeah. That's really the, that's stewardship, right? Yeah. We can look and say, well, if God, if God gave me a million dollars, I would be able to do whatever. And you know, last lesson, you, you made reference to John the Baptist. Yeah, well, John the Baptist wore camel skins and ate grasshoppers. Yeah, I know, right? And uh, he did a heck of a lot. He did. So it's what, what do you do with what God's given you? Yeah. And, and this comes back to the fact that we're, we're re- referencing individuals who really felt called by God. They were, they had a connection with God that propelled them, Roger, to these callings. And I think that's where the lesson will bring us into here, if we manage our time well, uh, that we need to embrace the fact that all of us are called. All of us are called. And, and, you know, the scripture, the lesson on Monday takes us to John 3.16, and, and uh, in Romans 6, basically, the choice is death or life, death or life. And, and uh, now, that may seem kind of dire, but really, it's in God, that's the reality. We can go down one path that will ultimately just lead to death, and just annihilation, just, you know, not, not torture, but just sort of, it's the end. But if we choose the other door, uh, it's eternal life, and, and of course, it is true, true living. And I think that's one thing that the saved people will ultimately have realized before they're there in the, in the kingdom of God. Yeah, eternal life is not just. And we've mentioned this yes, in the past we have, before. Yep. yep. I don't know if it's in this lesson or in, in in prior Sabbath school lessons in the live stream, but eternal life is not just temporal. It's not just speaking of right. time factor, like it's going to last forever. It's quality. And again, to connect it to the last lesson, when we talk about one foot in one world and one foot in another world, yeah, we have our foot in an eternal world. And that's a quality of life thing, yep. right? We want to live a certain quality of life. And the other thing about death in that reference is that, and this is going to sound really critical, but it's not, because I was once one of these people, people who are out there in the world without the faith aspect, even if on the outside they might be devout or something like that, without that faith aspect that's motivating their actions, they're already dead. Correct. And Jesus gonna- says, let the dead bury their own dead. And you know what? I got to say, I know where you work. You've been open. You've been working in a prison. You're one of the people who keeps the prisoners safe and the world safe. And you have to say, 
99% of the population in the prison is there because they thought this world was all there was. That's and maybe a, I'm oversimplifying. I probably am. But they, they stole something. Let's just make a simple theft, guilty of theft. Sure. Or embezzlement, racketeering, whatever it may be. But it's all that they've invested their lives to say, well, if I rip this guy off, if I mug him, I can get his credit cards, and I can buy this, that, the other thing. I can get the cash. I can steal his identity. And so it's all about orchestrating a better life on this place called Earth. I and you and all believers are called to say, this is just a temporary place. Paul said, hey, if I've got, you know, I don't need much to be content. It ain't going to take me much. And I believe his proverb says, don't give me riches or poverty. You don't make, because if I have poverty, I may steal and dishonor your name. If I have riches, I may forget your name. Give me just my daily bread. Mm-hmm. And so that's a powerful place to live in, powerful place. And, and the lure of the world is always pulling us out of that zone. It's yanking us. And part of marketing is to help to make us think we need something we didn't even know we needed in the first place. Right. <laughs> and then suddenly we got to have product. I, yeah, that's, a, you know, <laughs> that's a good point that you bring up because I reemphasize this with the high school kids that I work with, um, that the world is expert, right? There's, there are entire mm-hmm. scientific disciplines oh, yeah. that are dedicated to controlling how you think and believe the things that you value. What are your values and beliefs? Because your, your behavior is going to be based on your values and beliefs. So if I want to manipulate your behavior, I need to find a way to manipulate your values and beliefs. Yeah. Right. And so social media is just the tip of the iceberg that's come on the scene in the last yeah. 15, 20 years. You know, this goes back hundreds of years. And I mean, for if you want to put it in cosmic terms, you know, Satan's been doing it since the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Right. And I also, I would just, to, and I'm not correcting you. But I I always like to emphasize this world, the conditions of this world are temporary. Mm -hmm. This world itself is our home. We were created Mm -hmm. to be here and God will renew it. And that's the purpose of the church. That Mm -hmm. is the purpose of stewardship is to live that eternal quality of life today, right? To not be over uh, focused on being too rich or too poor, Mm -hmm. going to those extremes, you know, and to use the prison aspect, you know, that, that, you know, there's as many motives for theft and murder as there are, uh, thieves and murderers, I guess. Yeah. But I think, I think, uh, you boil it down, you know, sometimes oversimplifications are instructive in that oversimplification where I'm just so focused on the material reality of my life right now mm-hmm. that this makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way of analyzing it, yep. And when we talk about faith and the relationship of, between faith and works, how we started, that's that's the that's the result of a faithless life. Yeah. And it's not always criminal, is it? No. So if I, mean, I if I neglect my family oh, or yeah. if I neglect my my relationships with other people in the pursuit of say riches. Mm-hmm. Right. I know people that work eighty hours a week. Yeah. And their justification for that is, well, I'm providing for my children. Mm. Well, so you're just a bank right. for your children? Don't they want their father or their mother? Um, so 
we can become so overly focused on those things. And again, when you say like, give, just give me my daily bread, like there's a whole secular movement out there. You can go on Netflix or Amazon Prime and you can watch some of the documentaries about these movements that, you know, people have like, they have like, I have one pair of jeans, one t-shirt. I have one suit for special occasions. I've got two pairs of underwear, mm-hmm. yep. a pair of sneakers, a pair of dress shoes. And I walk everywhere I go or something mm-hmm. like, you know, things like that. There's nothing necessarily inherently wrong or right about that. But what are your motives? Right. Right. Um, what are your motives? Yep. So, and I think that's where, uh, you know, in terms of reward, faith is recognizing that the reward is sort of in and of itself. Obedience to God is a reward in and of itself. That's true. It is a reward. Because yeah. it, I think it brings that simplicity with it. Yep. So, and speaking of simplicity, we're going to use that as sort of a segue. I'm uh, stretching a little bit, but uh, on Tuesday's lesson, they talk about the New Jerusalem. And we won't take time to read all of Revelation 22, 21, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful chapter to read as we, God paints this picture for us about what he's preparing for us. And, and I, as I read this, I think new, new, new. And, and it's all new, which is just pretty amazing. And in, in verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. This is Revelation 21. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then in verse 5, he who is seated on the throne, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So we're, we're seeing this contrast of the old way. And we spend a lot of our times avoiding pain and, you know, bad health, etc. And and a lot of times people are spending their lives running away from death. Uh, the believer, we, we don't want to die, but at the same time, that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to bring the glory to God, to be where we fit in the grand scheme of, of, of his plan. And something struck me, Roger, and this may strike as, as, as heretical, but I was just thinking about this imagery of the New Jerusalem. I'm thinking here, it's kind of interesting that when we show up, and I'm drawing from the parables of Christ, we show up naked, we show up homeless, and we even show up hungry. And we come, you know, Jesus talks about the, the bridegroom and, and the, the, the robe of righteousness. We're clothed. We're now we're in a new place. Where are we going to live? John 14, 1 to 3. He's prepared a place for us. Well, we've been on a journey. We're hungry. What's the next thing? The marriage supper of the Lamb. And then he says, guess what? You can plant, you will harvest. You can build, it will be yours. And it's no longer are we in this scarcity mob we talked about before. There's bounty, there's plenty. If you want to have watermelons, if you want to have an orange, you plant the seed, and you're not working for anybody else. You're working for the glory of God. And in however much time it's going to take for the watermelon to sprout back in heaven, there it is. And perhaps even we'll be able to see God creating hybrids or new fruits. And, 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 and I'm saying this because 
you know, what is God looking for? What are we looking for? Are we looking for the same thing? And God is looking for a relationship with us, um, not merely a business deal, like, okay, I'll say the right words, I'll kiss the ring, as my friend says, kiss the ring and you're in. Um, He's looking for a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so amazing when you look at Revelation 21, the imagery is of a wedding. And you probably can't get more profound as far as imagery goes than a wedding where two are coming together as one. And this is what God is saying. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for. And guess what? Everything's new. Everything's brand new. And and the old order is gone. We're not going to have to mess with disease and sin and suffering. We will have a party that will last for eternity. It's going to last forever. So that's just, I just kind of thinking about this imagery. We show up at heaven. We don't have a place to live. We don't have an address. We don't have clothes. We don't have food, you know, and God provides this for us. I think, and this is just, this is off the cuff exegesis uh, of Revelation 21, but I, w- I want to look at 21.3. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with men and he mm-hmm. will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now that word, dwelling, is the Greek word that's linked to the Hebrew word, which we translate as tabernacle. Mm. Oh, yeah, I will tabernacle with them, of course. And so the narrative sort of ends where it begins. Mm-hmm. You have Israel leaving Egypt, a place of abundance, Yep. Right, power, political power, wealth. They have the Nile. They have all these temples and all these gods. And the Israelites walk away from that into the wilderness mm-hmm. where they wander for 40 years. But during that 40-year period, they build the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And they wander and they bring the tabernacle with them. Until one day, God tells a king, Solomon, you may build my temple. Yeah. And it becomes permanent, yeah. right? And the biblical narrative, it's amazing because I forget how many authors are responsible for these 66 books. It's a lot. Yeah, I forgot too. I was thinking about the other day. Yeah, I forget the exact number, yeah. but it's a lot, Yeah, right? It's a, like at least 30. I think it's 40, number 45 sticks in my head, but- maybe, Okay. Yeah. Written over the course of thousands of years. Yep. And here you have John- exiled on the island of Patmos Mm -hmm. and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and vision writes this passage that just connects it all right back to the beginning. Hey, look, we're wandering in the wilderness right now Mm -hmm. and we're carrying God's tabernacle with us, but one day he's going to provide us with a place and we're going to be able to make that a permanent temple and we're going to build our community around that temple and it's going to be it's going to be the promised land, right? It's all sort of allegorical in a way, mm-hmm. right? Israel's sort of an allegory. And God does that. God tells this story so that we sort of get it because we yeah. communicate in stories. So that's kind of where I see this whole Revelation 21 thing. I and like that. The reward is not, oh, you you know, I, 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 I gave you 10 arbitrary commandments mm-hmm. and you, you stuck to them. And so right. I'll reluctantly, begrudgingly give you eternal life here yep. you go magic yep. you know that's right um 
That's not it at all. Yeah. We're on this journey together, and God's with us. That's the whole thing, right? God, he was there, the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Yep, and that's part of the, I think, the, the, the danger of Christianity is that we have consumerized it. And we say, hey, sir, do you know Jesus Christ? He wants to give you eternal life. Oh, yeah, I'd like to have eternal life. And he's going to prepare a, plat- a, a, a mansion for you. Right. Oh, yeah, my goodness. And I walk on streets of gold. Count me in. What do I got to do? Right. And it's this business relationship. And you say, well, kiss the ring and you're in type of thing. And, oh, wow. And then, you know, I say, oh, yeah, we baptized somebody today. But they don't understand. No. No. And even and that's the danger, Roger. You and I, we can also forget it. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy, and it's easy. And so, you know, Revelation and 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 Jesus. It's interesting. It struck me that the things that the people were worried about, he never worried about. His first first miracle at Cana. You know, they're out of wine. Yeah, mother goes, Jesus, we're out of my wine. He wasn't. He didn't care. Right. It was a party, with or without the wine, and he was having a good time. He says, "Why are you involving me?" Right, and you know, so he acquiesces. And then, of course, they have the time when they're running out of food. They have five thousand people to feed, and four thousand. Oh no, it's the end of the world. We don't have enough food. Yeah, send them away. Send them away. That's the logic of the calculator we talked last week about the um, David County men, and that's the problem. Logic, send them away, and now. Now he is uh, saying, well, let's give thanks. <laughs> yeah. Let's give thanks. Let's, uh, let's just take what we got. Thank you, Lord. And, then, and before that, could you imagine like what, the, what was going through the disciples' minds? They're like, look, it's late. These people are hungry. Send them back to the town so they can go buy yeah. food. And Jesus goes, well, wait, doesn't somebody around here? Have something to have eat. Something. <laughs> here's this little kid, like, well, I've got a couple of fish and a yep. piece of bread. Yeah. And yep. Jesus goes, that'll, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd. It is. And that's, we, we, we kind of. And the, uh, Kierkegaard, Kierkegaard's one of the, you know, he, he's a Christian back in the uh, Denmark in the yep. 19th century. And he says, sort of like, that's, that's kind of like. That's why you should have – it's so absurd you have to believe in this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just absurd. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's – I mean, again, and again, it's faith, right? Yeah. You have to walk that journey. And those disciples, they had to walk that journey to get the faith. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that's the scary part, and that's where anything that is not of faith is a sin, ultimately, it says. So, But let's go – we're running out of time here. We're always uh, running out of time. We're always running out of time. But with God, we never. I could say something corny there, but we won't. Yeah, we don't. Have, we have plenty of time. We have eternal life, sir. We have eternal life. <laughs> so, uh, Matthew twenty-five, Matthew twenty-four and twenty-five are crucial for us as believers. It gives us a perspective of the end times. There's a lot of sort of uh, prophecies here, and you're on Wednesday's lesson. Yes, if you're following the if you're following the quarterly Wednesday's lesson, and and. Uh, it's it's uh, basically talking about the uh, the, the uh, uh, parable of ten virgins, and then those who uh, who are given a lot of talents or gold, and those who are not. And what do they do with it? And and the question before we go too far, we need to just embrace the fact that there's three main characters, and they all are getting something. Everybody's getting something, whether it be 
one bag, five bags, or is it, or ten, and uh, no, sorry, two, one, two, and five, and and they, two of the guys put what they got to work, and it gets multiplied, but one says, "Oops, I was scared, I was afraid." Verse twenty-five, and hid your gold in the ground, and. There's a day of accounting. And I think the question is, this is, what should motivate us? The fear of rejection or the anticipation of praise or congratulations or both? Because I see that's the, the, this guy with the little bit of gold, his motivation is fear. But the other guys are like, this is an adventure. I got this gold I hadn't planned on. And uh, what am I going to do with it? When I read this story, you know, there's so many interpretations, so many sermons based on this story. And this just happened to me like in the last maybe three weeks that I thought of this story this way. And when I read this story now, I think it's not so much fear, maybe, as it is, he's comparing himself to the other two people. Mm. And he's going, yep. well, that guy over there has got five, and that guy's got twice what I got. Mm-hmm. I just have this one. No way I'm going to be able to accomplish what they'd accomplish, so I might as well just hold on to what I have so that when he mm. comes back looking for it, I still have it. Because what if I fail? If that guy over there with five fails, he's still got something to show for it. And if the guy got that 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 that's got two fails, well, he can he could lose fifty percent of everything he has and still have the same that I have. Yep. But then if I if I fail, I've got nothing. Mm. And I think it's maybe that sort of, and it's not even envy. Maybe it is fear, but it's fear born out of comparing ourselves to other people. Mm-hmm. And in terms of stewardship, that's a very apt observation, I think, because we do that so often, right? Yep. Like you can go to church and you look across the church and there's the guy with like the super successful business and he's, you know, he's got the big house and he drives a really nice car to church and you know, whatever, he wears the nice clothes and you think like, wow, you know, like what am I doing wrong? Maybe you're not doing anything wrong. But I I want to take that a step further, how it affects ministry. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, when I started out, I started telling people I was going to be a pastor. Some people says, oh, "Yeah, <laughs> okay, whatever." And and uh, the one thing that back this is back in the '80s, and the thing was to have a powerful testimony. Yeah, you know, you got to have a testimony. Yeah, you know, you got to be on <laughs> drugs and you know all this stuff, and then Jesus meets you, and wow, right? And I didn't have one. And and I really I really felt that was sort of a liability to me. All thing I'm not very musical, you know. Another liability, and I'm like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> and and I felt God called me, and you know, faithfully plotted a plotted the, the journey, and I believe He's blessed me in the journey. But it's interesting is, you know, I hear these, I don't know if you remember the 80s, all these stories about, you know, and, and we have people who are high up in the church who have had stories like that. Sure. And, and God's blessed them. But the danger is if you sit down and compare, you says, 
well, my thing is so boring compared to his. So, you know, it can, you can fall in that same trap. And, and uh, you know, that same goes in anything. You know, somebody who says, boy, you know, I'm stepping in the, you know, the new, let's just pick on community service leader. And the person before was just phenomenal. And like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do here, you know. And, and uh, all I can do is this one thing. Yeah. And I say, do it faithfully. Do it faithfully. Yeah, it's what I think it was last episode I, I said, you know, it's what are you doing with what you have? Yep. That's what's yep. important. Yep. And yep. in today's, again, to, to try and make it relevant to today's environment, like, look at what we're doing right now, right? It's just you and me right now. Mm-hmm. We have this little gadget on the table. I don't even know what to call it. We're recording this podcast, and we're going to hand it off to somebody, and they're going to download it and edit it and put it on the internet. And you look at some of the most successful podcasts out there, right? Like oh. Joe Rogan comes to mind. Yeah, I don't. He's know. on every platform. He's like guy. on all these platforms. He yeah. gets millions of views. Mm-hmm. You know, like Joe Rogan says, like I don't know. I like Deer Park water, which is interesting because the only place I ever see that is back in Florida, but. You have it one on the table. You, I like Deer Park water, and oh, tomorrow, yeah. that's weird. Everybody's drinking Deer Park water because yeah, Joe Rogan yeah, said it. Yeah. Now you and I are sitting here. We don't get even close, right? <laughs> the guy, the guy that's podcasting about like classic video games right now is right. getting more views or whatever listens than we are. Oh yeah, but yet we still show up here because, like, you take the attitude of you know what? If there's one person out there who hears this, yeah, and goes. I'm going to take the Bible seriously. These guys have convinced me, you know, or whatever. They've touched a something yeah. in me, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be a more faithful steward. I'm gonna be a better student in the Bible, or whatever. Then that's fine. We did, you know, we've we've got this time, yeah. right? We schedule some time. We sit down and we we try to make the world a little bit better. Amen. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's what a, it's what it, what it, what did God give you, and what are you doing with it? Yeah. Right. It's really it's really easy to be like, ah, we're just in this small town in this church that used to be really important because there was a college across the street. Oh, yeah. Now the college is gone and we're just kind of, you know, what, what good could we really do? Mm. And it's like, just, I don't know, look at, do an inventory and make don't the best. Don't count of, the men. Don't count the men. <laughs> As David did. Yeah, uh, spirit, take a spiritual inventory. Take a spiritual, yeah. <laughs> but, and do, do, the best, do the best that you can with what God's given you and do it in faith. That's how we started, you know, do yeah. it, do it in faith. It's a walk of faith. Yeah. It is. So, um, Eyes on the Prize, Thursday's lesson for March 23, the uh, lesson draws our minds to Romans 8. And Romans 8 is powerful because it has Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. But it's in the context of suffering. And Paul says these words here, the Spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children, which is powerful. I mean, there's a whole discussion right there the spirit testifies with our spirit that we are god so this there's a supernatural element to this yes and and that that is transformative now if we are god's children then we are heirs heirs of god and co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory i consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us mm-hmm and I love this because, let's face it, uh, this is crucial, and I think many of us have a phobia of suffering. You know, suffering, 
why would I, why would I do that? You know, and, and we, we're just addicted to our, our comfort. And this is the battle I think that we face because I heard this comparison some time ago and it may be a little oversimplifying, but I think it bears consideration that in the Old Testament, wealth was seen as a blessing. In the New Testament, it's almost seen like a curse. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you say, oh, you know, maybe there's something to that. Because the next text that has us go to is 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And it, uh, young Timothy is told something pretty amazing by Paul. 1 Timothy... First Timothy, First Timothy. <laughs> they don't make you memorize this, and oh, oh, they, we memorize Revelation and Daniel, and and no, no. First um, uh, Timothy six six through twelve, it's powerful, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm. If we brought nothing in the world, we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. This is Paul writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and, and a trap, and to many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many, many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life, the eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. But that powerful word, flee, flee, and fight, and pursue. And it's almost like he's saying, there's a building that's on fire, get out of it. Yeah, Dwight, Dwight Nelson actually preached on this text this past Sabbath. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Cool. And, and uh, you know, you think about fleeing. That's something we don't usually very do or very yeah. often. Run, run and fight. Run and fight. Run, run and, and fight. fight. And I just want, can I just go back to Romans real quick? Mm-hmm. Romans 8, it's before the text they had us read, but Romans 8, chapter uh, chapter 8, verse 8. Those whose, whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. Hmm. Those whose lives are in the flesh are unable to please God. It yep. goes back to that uh, yep. Hebrews too. Without faith, it doesn't matter. Yep. So and and it's it's like to kind of continue on. Oh, did we? Oh no, we didn't lose. Okay. With, with our last week's uh, lesson, you know, let's say somebody said, you know, here's the winning lottery ticket right here. I haven't claimed it yet, and the prize is let's just make it a half a million dollars. And it says, you know what, I got enough money. He slides it across the table to me or to you. It's yours if you want it. Now, <laughs> you know, like, okay, you're literally giving me the winning ticket to the lottery. Yeah. And the question would be, if you if I'm if I just read First Timothy six, it's almost like Paul would say, Don't accept the ticket. Flee from it. Because it can really screw up your life. Yeah, and now, granted, I may say, "Well, let's pray about it," and and say, "Okay, 
I'll take it, but I'm giving it all to the to the college church, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 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 God help me, and don't be in a, don't do like that in the early church. Where it said, I'm going to do something and didn't do it. But you're, you're giving a modern version of uh, Jesus's feet being anointed, right? Judas says, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." Could have yeah. sold that perfume yeah. and yeah. given it to the poor. To the poor, yeah. yeah. Yep, and and so it's it's interesting. Ninety nine point nine nine percent of the population would say, "You don't have to give it to me. I'll steal it from." You. I wouldn't say that they wouldn't, but let's say they would. Somebody would steal it from that. Oh, person. of course they would. And and and, uh, but many people would honor it the fact that that was the owner. But most people say, "I'll take it." And granted, my position where I'm now, you know, we all look at different things differently. We all look at you know, but it's like, how will this impact me spiritually? Paul says, for crying out loud, if you've got godliness with contentment, that's gain. That's gain. And and you know how how does our stories impact the way we look at things? And you may look at that ticket. Okay, there's we may look at it very functional functionally. There's my child's college education. There's me paying off the house or the car. There is me not having to worry about retirement, which may be all legitimate, but it still has a spiritual impact on us. And we have to say, all right, will this, how will this impact my soul, my heart, my mind, my relationships? Right. It's going to affect your relationship because someone's going to say, hey, Roger, buddy, man, you know what? Uh, my transmission just went. And I mean, how, wasn't that nice that guy to give you that lottery ticket? Right. <laughs> And so it impacts everything. And so we have to look at this. And Paul says, look, godliness, contentment, that's gain. That's gain. And it's got, you know, you talked about the difference between the view of wealth in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So you have a civilization that's living in the desert where it's hard to grow crops. Good point. And you, that's the Old Testament. Yep. And then you move to a civilization that's controlled by what is at this time the most prosperous, powerful, and opulent empire mm. at the, until this point in history. Yep. So, like you know, the Roman the, in you know Paul is writing within the Roman Empire. He's not he's not in like the outskirts. He's in the thick of it. He's in Turkey and he's in Europe, and you know it's a completely different perspective. Mm-hmm. You're ministering to a completely different people. So you're looking at a Garden of Eden is paradise. Why? Because you don't have to worry about the crops growing. Mm, yeah, right, right, right. It's right. watered by the rivers that flow through the garden. And you move to the New Testament. So you start out with like a physical, a physical desert. And what would we imagine paradise to be like in the physical desert? Well, a lush garden with rivers watering, mists just falling out of the sky. Moving to the New Testament, we're living in a spiritual desert. Mm. So, you know, Paul, like, oh, Paul, he's so focused on like morals and, you know, calling out people's sins and things like that. Well, he was living in a decadent society. Yep. So where are we right now? You know, <laughs> where are we right now? And that's that's, I think... We're in a decadent society, yet we're in the desert. Right. That's it. And when we talk to to, to to sort of like encapsulate the whole lesson on stewardship, 
what is it that we have to steward the most? Mm-hmm. And that's our hearts and our characters, yep. our minds. You know, it all starts there. Like you could, you can have, you can be poor, you can be rich, you can be smart, you can be not so smart. I don't want to use any bad words, you know, like deprecating words, but you know, you can be good at, good at some things and bad at others. None of it matters until you change your heart and your mind and you start using whatever you have um, for the gospel. And that's its own reward. Again, that's its own reward. We're talking about rewards. That in and of itself is its own reward. If Jesus doesn't come in my lifetime, you can still die knowing like, hey, I lived a simple life, I raised a family, and I tried to do it so that the people around me knew this man, Jesus, before I was gone. And if that, you know, I mean, that in and of itself ought to be its own reward. And it's not easy. I'm not telling you that, like, I wake up every morning, like, you know, feeling like that. You know, you look at the electric bill or whatever. Yep. But. So there's something, you just jogged my memory. I was going to share something from John Stott. And he wrote a book, and we're running out of time, called The Radical Disciple. Look at the subtitle. Some Neglected Aspects of Our Calling. Mm. And I like, he had this pact, there was a group of people who had this pact about living simply. And he says, it is impossible with integrity to proclaim Christ's salvation if he hasn't, or if he has evidently not saved us from greed or his lordship if we are not good stewards of our possessions or his love if we close our hearts against the needy. If, when Christians care for each other and for the deprived, Jesus Christ becomes more visibly attractive. So I like the way he says that it's impossible for, with integrity to proclaim Christ's salvation if he has not evidently, if he has evidently not saved us from greed or his lordship if we are not good stewards of our possessions or his love if we close our hearts against the needy. And, and it was really pretty cool uh, what what they're what they're doing here, but at the end of the day, my friends, this means nothing if we don't really do something about it. If right. we don't have, if we don't actually implement it in our lives. So, my friends, we're going to wrap up this quarter's uh, lesson here on this note, and he has blessed each and every one of us with the gift of today, the gift of whatever's in the pocket, whether it be one dollar or a nickel or a million dollars. Use it for the glory of God. So Amen. why don't we pray together here? Roger, would you pray for us? Certainly. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us to a close of this first season of our podcast. I pray, Lord, that again, it, it's a blessing to those who come across it. I pray, Lord, that you will be pleased with this as stewards, that we have stewarded our time and our resources well in the way that we've presented this material. And I pray, Lord, that as we move into the next quarter and on into the future beyond that, that you will continue to uh, guide us in how to be good stewards of our resources. Most of all, Lord, our hearts, our minds, and the 24 hours that you've given us. So thank you for waking us up this morning Mm. with alert minds, beating hearts, and a full day And I pray, Lord, that each person that listens to this, the pastor and myself, that we will use that to your glory. I ask all of these things, and to the glory be your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. hope you can join us next quarter as we look at a different subject. God bless you, and may God be with you. 
If you are looking for a community, have some questions about the discussion, or would like to participate in a live Sabbath School class, please join us every Saturday at 10 a.m. for Sabbath School and 11.15 for our worship service at 337 Main Street, South Lancaster, Massachusetts. This has been a production by the College Church's Communication slash Media Ministry. If you were blessed by this podcast, please like, follow, and subscribe. Join us next week for another lesson, and let us all remember to love more, grow more, and serve more.